Hey, welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and to trust Him more. To keep up with us or to get more information, visit CelebrationChurchLive.com. And so we are in the second week of our series um, that we've called Simple Matters. And we're just looking at some of the core basic truths about what it means um, for us to really grow in our life in Christ. And so if you've got your um, Bible app open, if you're tracking with your, your bulletin, however it is, that we're, we've led off with this idea that the matters that matter in our relationship with God are very simple, but they're never simplistic. Um, simple doesn't have to mean that it's, that it's, not, um, it's not powerful. Um, we all of a sudden we can begin to to push back on things that feel overly simplistic. And um, the truth is, is we need to gravitate to the simple because our world doesn't do that. We, we complicate things for whatever reason. We're fascinated with complicated things. We want to make things deep and complicated when the truth is, is that the core principles of what it means to grow and be a child of God, a child can begin to live in these things. And yes, they get deeper and richer and more meaningful as we delve into them, but the core principles, a child can begin to grow in these things. Look at what Jesus tells his disciples in Matthew chapter 18, verse two. He says, in calling to him a child. Remember, they had wanted to know who's the greatest in the kingdom. And they were gonna think it's somebody that's like got this big complex life. And he, he put in the midst of them, he called this child, put him in the midst of them and said, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children. Why is a turn needed? Because we're not going in the direction of the simple nature of a child. We're going in the opposite direction. We are going in the direction of complexity. We're going in the direction of mess. We're going in the direction that doesn't have us engage with our heavenly father as a child. And there's a place where we need to have this turning tendency. We've got to go ahead and just put some, some um, muscle into the steering wheel of our life and turn back towards this place of becoming like a child. It says, unless you do that, unless you turn and become like a child, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. This is where... That some of the big truths are really found in these simple things that even a child could get. And today, we're going to look at a topic we don't talk about all the time at Celebration Church. And as a pastor, I get it. I get it that as soon as we start talking about generosity, people begin to bristle. And the church has not always done a good job with it. The church has not done a good job with talking about it. But the scriptures talk about it a ton. And so, but you notice, um, you've been, if you've been coming here for a little while, um, we, didn't, we didn't pass a basket in front of you. Uh, not that that's a bad thing, um, but we just want no, to not feel compelled. Um, the generosity, there's some spots on the, on the back. You, you have digital generosity, um, but we don't want to put any pressure on you. But the truth is, is that this is a key part of our life in Christ and to neglect it is to neglect something significant 
in our lives. Generosity is significant. And it's significant because it stands out. It's counterculture in everything. Real life-giving generosity is noticeable on big levels and even on small levels. And I, I remember um, a long time ago when, uh, when Pastor Keenan, who was just up here on this stage and leading us in worship and leading our young adults, he wasn't the 27-year-old man he is today. He was about a six-year-old kid with, uh, and we had taken him to the hardware store to be able to uh, pick up some stuff on a weekend project and say, he was being my little helper, my little buddy. So we were going over there. In fact, we were going to a locally owned hardware store. We're going to City Lumber and um, go in there. And on this particular day, they were having like a customer appreciation day. And so they had some, some stands out there that they were giving away some sodas and they had some hot dogs there and some other things. And they were just just giving all of this stuff away. So as we're going through and I'm going to get the stuff I need for my project, um, of course, Keenan's just fascinated with the free stuff, you know? He's like, you know, uh, and so we go past, you know, the, this little Coca-Cola truck thing that's out there. He's like, Dad, um, can, I have a, can I have a Coke? And I was like, and so he looks at me and I'm like, yeah, you can have one. And so they give him this little Coke, which was a Sprite, because only in the South do we call everything Coke. And so, but he had a Sprat Coke. And so he had a little Sprat there in his, in his hand. He was going around the store and sipping his Sprat. And then he goes past another space. And, and then they're giving away these, they're giving away hot dogs. And he looks at me, he's like, Dad, can, can I have a hot dog? And I'm like, yeah, son, you can, you can, you can have a hot dog. And so he has this, this Coke in one hand and this this hot dog in another hand. And as we're going around, my mind is on my project and he's just walking beside me. And, he's, and he says, he says, they gave me a Coke and a hot dog. I was like, yeah, yeah, son, yeah, they did. And so and I'm just moving along and then a few more steps, he does it again. He's like, dad, they gave, they gave, me, a, they gave me a Coke and a hot dog. Oh, yes, son, they did. <laughs> they gave you a Coke and a hot dog. And then we keep going around and going some other aisles. And then he says it again, this time to himself. He says, they gave me a Coke and a hot dog. They must love Jesus. <laughs> and so here is this little mind, this little child who sees generosity as an expression of love towards God and the love of God. And the truth is, is the enemy wants us to back off generosity because generosity is one of the world-transforming things that the body of Christ can come in. Any of us can do it. Any of us can be generous. Whether we have lots of resources or we feel like we have very limited resources, we have this promise that if we begin to step out and begin to be generous the way our Heavenly Father is generous, something miraculous begins to happen. The love of God gets to be shown in a very practical way and it opens up our hearts and it opens up our lives to begin to allow God to begin to move in that part of our lives. Generosity says, God, I trust you and I invite you into the financial portion of my life. It is this beautiful thing and even a six-year-old kid begins to make the connection that real generosity stems from a love for God. 
Now, whether or not they, gave, they were doing it out of love for God, probably not. But he understand that real generosity, that's what it is 100% about. And we look at this idea that giving from a cheerful, cheerful heart is a simple action that changes our lives and it impacts the lives of others. The truth is, is that a heart ready to give is a heart that gives cheerfully. But it's got to be ready. It's got to be ready to give. We've all had those moments where we've been blindsided with a request, you know? You get blindsided by something and our initial reaction is always to lock up. It just is. It just is universal. All of a sudden, somebody begins to come and hit you up and try to get some of your, some of your hard-earned resources, and man, we just lock up. We have to, to be able to respond in a generous place. We have to be prepared. The scriptures say prepared in our hearts to give. We have to prime our hearts and have them in a place of readiness. In fact, Paul writes to the believers in Corinth here in 2 Corinthians 9, 7. He says, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, not under pressure. For God loves a cheerful giver. God loves it when we are ready to respond with generosity because we've prepared our hearts to do it. We've prepared ourselves to be able to do it. And that's one of the things as a pastor that I love about the, our digital generosity. Because it's amazing to me that the little reports come in and, and, it'll, and all of a sudden it'll say like there was this much given on Monday and this much given. And that people, you guys, not while the pastor is up here, not while we're in the middle of worship, but while you are making your decisions with your finances during the week on a random Tuesday evening, you guys are accessing the app or accessing our website and being generous. That's, that's awesome. That is remarkable. That is deciding in your heart to give. You're showing up here on Sundays and, and, and you're having a check written or you're doing these things. You're deciding in your heart to give. That is scriptural generosity. The thing is, is that we cannot ever decide in our hearts to give if we're never thinking about giving. If we're never thinking about, is this a moment for me to be generous? When resources hit our hands, do we immediately go, Lord, is there, is there part of this that needs to make a difference in some place in your kingdom? If that thought is not already a part of us, then guess what? We have enough wants and desires to use up the stuff that typically hits our hands. We just do. We have enough wants and desires that when stuff just typically hits our hands, even sometimes some unexpected resources begin to hit our hands, there's usually some sort of pent-up thing that if we've not prepared, we've not thought, decided in our hearts to be generous, we're not, or, or have a moment say, wow, Lord, I, I didn't know where this was, this, this, I didn't know this was gonna show up. Lord, is there something you want me to do with this? If we don't take those moments we all know that stuff will just, it'll find places to go. It'll just find it. It just absolutely will. And so that's why the, one of the core New Testament giving scriptures shows us that the core thing is deciding 
in your heart to give, something you're thinking about, something you're connected with, and want to do it cheerfully. See, it's a response to God being generous to us, God modeling generosity. The most well-known scripture anywhere on the planet. You turn on your, your watch football this afternoon, Quite possibly somewhere, somebody's going to pay in the crowd, and you may see, if you see one scripture, you're going to see this one, John 3, 16. And it just reminds us of his generosity, for God so loved the world that he gave. It's not so, though God so loved the world that he taught. Praise God for teaching. But God so loved the world that he gave. There was a deficit on our end. He had heaven's best was ready to step in and make the difference. And God so loved that he gave. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. See, God is a giver. And so it's natural that those growing in his image would be givers too. It's just natural that we would be generous as well. Romans 8.32 tells us this. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? If he's already modeled that he would give heaven's best, don't you think we can trust him with everything else? That is, as he sets the standard that high of what heaven's willing to give, what the heart of God is willing to give, well then, yeah, he's gonna take care of every one of our needs. Matthew 20, 28 says, just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. If we are not walking in a place of, of regular purposeful generosity, we're not being true to who we are as children of God. We're not fully reflecting him. We ought to be generous, we ought to be patient, we ought to be loving, we ought to be growing in all of those things that God is, and he is generous, and we ought to be growing in a space of generosity. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 8.1. It says, now brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches, okay? Macedonian churches are operating under the special grace of God. Now, in the midst of a very severe trial, okay, let's break that down. If I say you, if, so, if I, somebody says they're going through a trial, going through a, a tough spot, going through a trial, you automatically go, okay, that's something that's not pleasant, right? That's something they would rather not be dealing with, okay? Now we all of a sudden we add the, the, the descriptor severe trial, okay? So now this is something that they really don't want to be going through. It, this, is, this is not easy. Then on top of it, we add very. So we have very severe trial. This is a massively unpleasant situation. And this is where this grace shows up. A very severe trial. They're overflowing joy. That's remarkable. They're in the middle of a very severe trial. They have overflowing joy. That's wild. And extreme poverty. <laughs> so all of a sudden, something is not going good. They're just full of joy. 
and they don't have very many resources. All of a sudden, we begin to see the, the, the thing that, that dominated and helped make decisions for the Macedonian church wasn't the trial or wasn't how deep their pockets were. It was the joy in their hearts that it welled up in a rich generosity. How do you throw into a bowl very severe trial, um, extreme poverty, and overflowing joy and come out with rich generosity? It's the joy overrode it all. It welled up into rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own. They had decided in their hearts to be generous not based on the circumstances of their lives, not because it was, just happened to be a good moment. Man, everything's at peace, everything's good. No, it was a very severe trial. Not because they got an unexpected windfall and they got a little extra money. No, things were incredibly tight. But the joy in their heart said, no, we want to participate. We want to give, we've decided to be generous. See, this is the thing that begins to just turn things on its head. This thing begins to just shift things. That it doesn't matter what's going on on the, on the outside. What has happening on the inside can change things on the outside. We can't be determined by what's, ha what's happening. We can't wait for an easy moment. We can't wait for the extra things. We've got to choose to live generously. Now, we're not all of a sudden going to pass the plate. We're not all of a sudden going to do that. This isn't to try to shake you down for Celebration Church at all. This is to provoke you to live a generous life. In fact, the bulk of your generosity opportunities exist outside of Celebration Church. If you're not being generous outside of here, then all of a sudden maybe your generosity is just connected somehow to a spiritual obligation. Because we know God loves people out there. And part of the way he shows love is through his generosity. So guess what? That generosity ought to be showing up in us outside of these walls. When all of a sudden we see somebody in need and then we hear about somebody going through a tough spot, it ought to be a decide in our heart to give. Not just because we believe in the, in the call of our local church and that's awesome, it's wonderful. Your generosity makes a difference. Guess what? If you give $3.76 to Celebration Church, that buys a dozen chocolate-covered delicious donuts, bless God. $3.76 of generosity helps create a moment where somebody walks in and we, we want the very first thing anybody connects with when they come to Celebration Churches. We're not here to try to get something from you, not even in this message. We're here to try to get something to you. We want, to be, we want to give you something when we walk through the door. We want to put a cup of coffee in your hands and a bottle of water and a smile and a safe place and give you a donut. And $3.76 of generosity gets 12 chocolate-covered I love yous handed out. That's remarkable. It's remarkable. And so, and, and so it, it does. It matters here. But guess what? It, it matters out there too. 
And one of the most significant things we, that we got to see as a church is, is uh, we didn't get to do some of the mission stuff we wanted to do internationally, and we took that money and we pivoted this summer, and we sent our teams out to just begin to be a blessing and went downtown to the grocery store downtown and, and just watched, and as people were getting in line, we just equipped people with pockets full of cash and just began to buy people's groceries. And it's amazing how many people would just cry over 26 bucks worth of groceries, over $52 worth of groceries. One, one man over $14 and some change worth of groceries. He'd gone to the store and, and that was what he put in his basket. And somebody got in line behind him and said, well, I just want to pay for it. And these people are just crying. Generosity makes a difference. It's so unexpected. And here's what's sad is whether we were filling people's tanks with gas or, or we were doing that, multiple people said, where's the camera? Where's the camera? You making a TikTok? You making YouTube? There's no camera. There's no video evidence of it. There's not been, it's not up there. It's not posted. It doesn't, it's not there. People are like, what, what are you doing? Oh, we just want to share the love of God. You know how may, there's so many places for your generosity to make a difference out in the community. This is what God has called us to do, to make a difference. 2 Corinthians 8, 7 says, just as you excel in everything, in faith, my goodness, we want to excel in our faith and knowing God better and trusting him more. That's our definition of faith. We want to articulate the love of God, who we are, what he's done in our lives, the, the, the calling on our lives, all that we know about the scriptures in knowledge. Again, we want to know God better. We want to excel in these things in complete earnestness. This just means not being fake. I think the church could do a better job at not being fake, not being hypocrites. We, the scriptures tell us we need to get good at this. And in your love for us, just the way your love is expressed, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. If we know that we should be growing in our faith, growing in our knowledge, growing in the way we love, Shouldn't we embrace the idea that we're, we're growing in giving? This grace of giving, God's work being here, that we ought to become more and more generous as we move forward. It keeps our hearts focused on the things of true value. Matthew 6, 19 and 21 says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. They're just interconnected. You can't stop it. The things that your heart is connected with, your resources find their way there. You can't turn it off. You just can't. There's just these things in our lives that we just, just go to. We begin and we look at, and so, I mean, there's the things. I mean, we all need a place to stay, right? We all need, like, some sort of place to stay. Wish we could do that for $3, 
Oh yeah, we've had, we've had some inflation. There we go. <laughs> Needs a little more of that. Um, you know, we want to eat. We want to eat. Got to pay the bills. Stay up there. We got to have the clo- have the kids uh, um, have something to wear. Sometimes we want to go out to eat. Then take the whole Clark family. Oh my goodness, that's going to take some more money. And so, and then uh, you know, you, you want some some fresh uh, some fresh kicks, you know, and you want to be able to do a little traveling, and so, and you want to have some savings for the future, you know, um, you're going to be able to do all of these different things and. We begin to see that as the things we value connect, we begin to see an image begin to come together. And we've talked about all sorts of things and we begin to see that little by little, moment by moment, it is revealing our heart. There's one thing we didn't mention. We didn't mention the needs of others. We didn't mention that the being able to, to live a generous life and all of a sudden we see there's a hole. There's a hole. There may be some of you here that are, live every day with, with a heart murmur. Uh, a heart murmur can, you can go ahead and it f- can function and do, yet you have to be mindful of it, you have to be conscious of it. But you can live. You can live with a hole in your heart, but anyone who lives daily with a heart murmur knows that there's a place that not being able to fully live out everything that they wanted to, they, they can't do the full exertion that they want to be able to do, all those different things. It is not allowing the fullness of the power of that amazing pump to do what it's called to do because there's a hole in there. We can get through life and ignore generosity. We can. But the truth is, especially for us made in the image of God, for us who are believers and, and recognize what God's want to do in our lives, we will never be able to fully function unless we embrace this place of generosity and allow God to begin to say, you know what, Lord? I'm willing to give you all that I have and you can begin to direct it and you can begin to fill the gaps and all of a sudden, we begin to see a clearer picture of who we're really called to be and what we're called to do in our lives. It's revealed in those things. We, you can't turn it off. It's simply there that where our heart is, then our treasure is there also. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 says, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. So how do we have money? Our life takes it, but not serve money. And that's that deciding in your heart. 
turning your ear to the Holy Spirit, allowing God to lead and God asking the question, daring to ask the question, God, is there some of what you've given me that you would like for me to make a difference in some other space? And believing that he loves you so much that he's not going to, to impoverish you to enrich in someone else. That in kingdom math doesn't make sense. The little boy who gave up his lunch didn't go hungry. He didn't go hungry. In fact, there were baskets full left over. We don't know where those baskets went, but I can pretty much guarantee you he took one of them. He went back home to mom and she sent him out with a sack lunch and he came home with sacks of groceries. Things shifted. He didn't get the short end of the stick. But sometimes us stepping into generosity, it can feel like, I don't do anything significant. We hear about people doing these big, amazing things and my generosity just feels normal. It just doesn't feel like it's sitting there and life transforming. But I want us to look at a passage of scripture that I tripped across years and years ago. Um, our church Bible reading is a different annual Bible reading than I used to do whenever I was in, a, I was in my uh, early 20s. And in my early 20s, I was reading. You, you can read through the Bible if you read three chapters a day, every day, and five on Sundays. Here's the thing is chapters are different lengths. So some days it's longer and some days it is shorter you know you get into the middle of psalms and man i'm immature brandon clark loved reading three six verse psalms so uh, sorry that was your future pastor <laughs> looking to get out of the scriptures as fast as possible but that was just the way immature brandon clark was and so i so i was reading three chapters a day, five on Sundays. Our, our Bible reading now paces it out a little bit and kind of makes every day, if you spend about five to seven minutes a day re reading in the scriptures, you can, you can read them. It's, it's amazing. And so, um, anyways, come across Numbers chapter seven. Numbers chapter seven is an 89 verse chapter. When you're on that old school Bible reading, you're like, Lord, I didn't get up early enough for this one. And so let's go ahead and get into it. In Numbers chapter 7, verse 12, it says, The one who brought his offering on the first day, well, I'm going to need my glasses for this. On the first day was Nashon, son of Abinadab of the tribe of Judah. His offering was one sil silver plate weighing 130 shekels, one silver sprinkling bowl weighing 70 shekels, according to the sanctuary shekel, each filled with the finest flour and with olive oil as grain and offering. One gold dish weighing 10 shekels filled with incense. And then you, you go on and multiple other verses and, and it, it details this gift. And then you immediately get into the next verse and it says on the second day, um, then there was a, another person and they bring their gift and it is exactly the same. Six verses no change, no shift, it is exactly the same. And then in the next one, no shift, exactly the same, and then exactly the same, and then exactly the same 12 times. 72 verses. You read this with the shekel and the fine flour and all this stuff, 
And I'm sitting here and I'm reading it and I'm like, Lord, this is taking me a while. I could have helped you edit this. I'm not an English major, but I've got an idea. I've got an idea here, Lord. We can cut 66 verses. We can make this bad boy 23 verses, Lord. We can do this. If you'll just say, write it all out just the same, no detail of the gift being left out, and just list everybody by name that gave it. Everything is covered. You get the Brandon Notes version. All's good. This is a manageable, manageable chapter instead of this 89-verser. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm like, Lord, why? Why is this in here verbatim so many different times? The only thing that changes is who gave it. And man, the Holy Spirit just prompted me so many, and it's just stuck with me all these years. It's like, to me, it was unique. Just because it looked like someone else's gift, it wasn't a unique gift, but it was uniquely theirs. And it matters to me. Just because it looks like you bring to the table exactly what somebody else brings to the table, our Heavenly Father put it in the Scriptures and has, has an 89-verse chapter to let us know that just because it doesn't feel unique to us, He sees it as unique. He sees it. All of a sudden, you're like, well, Lord, I, tons of people could give $50. He said, no, but it's, it's your $50, and it's your heart, and it's special to me. It's special to me. And that's what this tells us. Is it's not that all of a sudden it has to be this big, unique, remarkable something. The fact that we're giving, God sees it for each individual and each one, it is unique and special. See, giving is an act of grace for we extend the grace that we have received. Let's go back to where we started in 2 Corinthians 9, 7 as we wrap this up this morning that each Man, each person should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful, cheerful, cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, see, you're not gonna be desolated. You will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor and his righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of righteousness. He said, I'm gonna give you what you need to be generous and I'm gonna give you your needs, your, your seed and your food. And you'll be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Not just periodically, not just randomly, not just at this Christmas season, but live a generous life. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. What happens when we live a generous, as the Holy Spirit calls us to live generous, it gives glory and points people to God. First Peter 4.10, each of you should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administrating God's grace in its various forms. See, our bottom line this morning is this that simple generosity changes the way you see. God wants us to live generous lives 
So we begin to see how he sees. We'll notice needs. We'll notice opportunities. We'll notice places where we can step in and shine his light. Generosity, it changes the way you see. Thank you for listening to this message from Celebration Church. You can keep up with all that God is doing here at Celebration by following us on Facebook and Instagram.